Good evening, fans. Tim Kittrow here, the voice of NBA Jam. And you're listening to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by CodeWritePlay.com. Whoa, boom shakalaka. My mom gave birth in 1985. I was within a Pac-Man ghost, barely alive. In the Cold War, my only blanket was Tetris. I played Rampart with Reagan Rampage, the world for breakfast. The laundry mat was my sanctuary. The arcade was my church. I thought I was grassland. Hey, everybody. Todd Mitchell here. Welcome back to Game Dev Breakdown. I sound okay, but I'm in a terrible mood. Let me tell you why. I just went into the workout room, had a nice little walk on the treadmill, came back to the office and said, let me try once and for all to install Microsoft Flight Simulator. Haven't been able to do it. Can't make it install games on my big hard drive, which is not the primary solid state drive. So my computer is set up like probably half of the world's now. You know, a smaller solid state drive and then a big storage drive. I don't have a giant primary drive where Windows is installed by default. For some reason, no one can figure out how to make Windows do that. Well, I fought with this thing for like the last hour, which it would have been much better if I had just come in and recorded the show out of breath, super winded, panting for oxygen, than for me to go through this process that just destroyed my soul. It is finally downloading, but not before. I tried to record while it did a download slash install, so it's like constantly downloading things and installing things. Well, apparently that was enough of a strain that Audacity couldn't record on top of it, so I lost two attempts at starting the show. It should just be downloading in the background now, and you can hear the nice whirring next to me. So let's see if I get through it this time. This episode is a two-parter. The first part is an appearance I did for my friend Ray on Fandom Unlimited, their podcast slash live show that they do on Facebook Live, where they talk e-culture primarily comics, things like that, and they wanted to do a gaming segment. They said, would you be interested in doing this? I said, sure, because why not? So I jumped on there and talked about the courtroom drama unfolding between Epic, Apple, and Google Play, and Microsoft, about Fortnite, and the souls of teenagers around the universe. And Tim Sweeney and the hissy fit heard around the world, we talked about all of that. So... And a little bit about xCloud also. So I streamed that live here on the uh, Game Dev Pod Twitter. And unfortunately, my side of the conversation didn't go out through Streamlabs OBS in the live stream. I captured it locally. It went through the Zoom call. So everyone heard me. I heard them. But because Streamlabs OBS is has a crazy default configuration, my audio did not go through. Sorry, everybody who tuned in. Let me earn my forgiveness by playing that for you here on the podcast. And when that's complete, stick around because when it's over, we'll talk about a second courtroom drama that's unfolding and apparently has been for some time now, which might be of even more interest to indie developers and small studios. There is something wild going on with a studio I found out that I was a fan of, even though I at first did not recognize their name, but... All will be revealed. This uh, entire episode will be courtroom drama. So if you're into that, stay tuned. Here we go. And he's here. Todd, are you, can you hear me? I hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you, my friend. How are you? I'm so good. How are you, sir? Oh, you know what? I'm great. Uh, We have been talking about DC fandom, and I'm glad to see you 
our support of the black suit Superman. Fantastic. Yeah. Todd, this is the gang. We've got uh, Keith in the blue shirt. Seth. Hello. You didn't have to say hello. <laughs> Seth in the Batman shirt and Jared wearing another Superman shirt. Hey, guys. Yeah, my son's wearing his Batman shirt today, too. Oh, man. You guys having beef? <laughs> no, I, I thought I would uh, join up and uh, we would do his kindergarten Zoom calls this way today. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's cute. Yeah. So what do you got for us, Todd? We've had quite a time. So uh, a couple of things going on in the gaming world. Sort of depends on what you're interested in, but there's uh, Gamescom 2020 going on right now. That's a big conference, and it's happening online, of course. Not a whole lot of news because it just started. So um, also had the uh, flight simulator launch uh, this week, which <laughs> I'm dying to play, but I can't start the download. My computer is not going for it so far. So, uh, and then and th- how it goes. Yeah, and then the rest is all uh, courtroom drama between Apple, Epic, and now Microsoft as well. So, Yeah, what's going on? Well, so do we have any Fortnite players in the house? Unfortunately, I played that game one time and lost my mind. <laughs> lost your mind? How, how did it go for you? Well, I mean, I just died a lot. I, my, I, I, I sat there and watched my son play, and this kid's an expert. He's a, you know goes around building stuff or whatever it is. I can't figure out what I'm doing in that game. And I, but I see him playing and I'm like, Oh, you're, I, I can do this. I could. No, I can't. It, it, it went terribly bad for me and I'm downstairs. He's upstairs. We're playing on the same map or whatever it's called. And, and all you can hear is, Hey, why are you cussing so much? <laughs> <laughs> I keep dying. That's why <laughs> I fell for the same trap. I, I looked at it. I watched some other streams. I had friends playing it. And I went, this is definitely something I can do. This is the kind of game I can play. And I streamed my very first attempt. And I hope I deleted that successfully because it was <laughs> very ugly. Is it as good as your first Five Nights at Freddy's uh, stream? That stream was very popular. And the yeah. only criticism I had of that was uh, somebody went, uh, this wasn't fun to watch because he didn't freak out enough. So. <laughs> so. As for what's actually going on with this whole Fortnite thing, uh, do you guys, <laughs> are you guys familiar with uh, the Microsoft X cloud service that's coming up? I am Ray. How about you? Ray's jumping around on my screen. You hear me, Ray? Uh, you were, I, my, my bandwidth's getting shitty. So what I didn't hear what you said. D- do you know about this Microsoft X cloud service that's coming up next month? Yeah, I've heard about it. So There's very little for listeners unfamiliar because it's still a, pretty brand new thing and it's like competitive services in some ways and unlike competitive services in others. But the idea is Microsoft announced that in about two weeks, they're going to launch this service that will let you basically dial up a game that they're maintaining on their servers, their devices. You don't have to do the giant install or, you know, uh, make room for it on your hard drive they will let you play from their cool machines and you can stream to all kinds of devices and play the game with an Xbox controller on, you know, grandma's laptop or an Android phone or whatever. That was the big draw of this whole thing, right? Yeah. So they immediately said any device, you'll be able to do this on any device, any smartphone. And I listened to that and I went, I bet that's not right. (laughs) Because, (laughs) because Apple exists. And if you, if you know anything about Apple, they, this has been a complaint for more than 10 years now. They have to very carefully manage any app that has access to the 
two players, if they if they can't completely control that, vet it through their own rigorous process, they're not going to go for it. And I went, I can't imagine any way they're going to let Microsoft release this xCloud app that they want to put in the App Store. Lo and behold, <laughs> as we're ramping up to this big release, Apple goes, oh, no, you should have asked us sooner. No, we're not allowing that. <laughs> of course. So... I had to laugh, and and I'm a I'm an Xbox guy. I have an, an iPhone. I have every reason to want this to succeed. I just knew it wasn't going to. I knew it wasn't going to happen. So this started by Apple basically pissing off Microsoft about the App Store thing, and it's nothing new. Like I said, this has been around forever. So Fortnite at some point makes the jump from PC and consoles to smartphones. This has been a while ago now. Uh, there, there were some hoops to jump through, but they got Fortnite going on the Google Play Store and the Apple iOS Store, and it seemed like everybody was living harmoniously for some time. But if you know anything about Epic, Epic CEO Tim Sweeney is kind of a quirky guy. He's he's an old programmer from way back. Is that the nice way of saying it, or is it uh, the professional way of saying it? I'm I'm being nice. I have a I have a sort of. A, <laughs> Sort of a harsh <laughs> personal opinion of him because I, uh, I'm a programmer. He's a programmer. I think he makes us all look a little bit crazy. But he's he's been known to occasionally sort of rail against the man if if platforms aren't open to his liking and you can't develop for Windows the way he wants to and stuff. So at at some point, like literally in the middle of the night one night, he he blasts off this email to uh, Apple and goes, "Hey, uh, you guys are taking thirty percent of our microtransactions. Fortnite's a free game to download and play. You can download microtransaction uh, points for like cosmetic items, and you can buy their season pass if you want." So. Apple's only way to make money off Fortnite existing on its platform is to take its traditional 30% of these these little transactions here and there. Tim Sweeney is literally losing sleep at night one night because he, he wants that 30% back and he goes, look, I'd like to uh, come to a different arrangement with you guys where you allow me to process these payments in a different way and in return, we, we just give you nothing. It's like he he felt that Fortnite being on on the iPhone at all was enough uh, enough in return. So Apple goes as Apple does. They go, yeah, well, no, thanks for the email, but we're not going to do that. And uh, so you can give us our cut, or we're just going to boot you. Basically, Fortnite drops a new update on Google Play and Apple that circumvents their payment system. They just they go totally rogue. They start accepting payments directly from players, and they circumvent these these payment processes on both right. mobile phones. And this is what nobody's talking about. Google Google did this all the same things. They they got updated there. They went, hey, you can't do this. Both app stores dropped Fortnite right away. Just booted the 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 apps. So within hours, Epic sues both companies. Like they had the lawsuits filed and ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> and this this dude is is having this high profile meltdown. It's just been the craziest thing. So uh, Apple, instead of backpedaling like he thought they were going to, they went, OK, well, not only is Fortnite not coming back in the store, uh, you have a very short period of time before we cancel all of our business agreements with Epic. And what you have to know about Epic is uh, 
Ray, you you know Epic's work because you like Gears of War right, and, yep. and a lot of other stuff. I'm an old Unreal Tournament fan from way back in the day. Epic's done a lot of really cool it's stuff. Old school right there. Right. Yeah. Epic also has the Unreal Engine, which is used by developers of all sizes all over the world. So many of these days. A lot a of ton- games. If it's not yes. in Unity, it's basically in Unreal now. Yep. So, <laughs> so Apple goes, you've got a very short period of time to rectify this, or we are going to cancel that support too, and you will no longer be able to target uh, the Unreal Engine will no longer support Apple devices. And that, Holy crap. now we're talking very high stakes, big trouble. And... Uh, one of the last things to happen was Epic tried to uh, file a restraining order to prevent them from doing that. Uh, so far, the judge is actually sort of leaning in Apple's direction on some of these early motions. They're saying, like, Apple doesn't really have to do anything you say right now. And uh, the only interesting thing to happen since then is Microsoft entered a filing on behalf of Epic, uh, their general manager of, like, external developer studio experiences. It's a super weird title, but a guy by the name of Kevin Gamble camp, Kevin Gamble, excuse me, who, <laughs> who managed the Xbox one X launch and who I interviewed at uh, GDC 2018. He was the last guy I talked to and he was on the podcast on game dev breakdown. Um, he wrote this filing on behalf of uh, Epic saying how important Epic is and how this ecosystem is threatened by Apple. Well, it's cause they pissed Microsoft off like two weeks ago. So uh, we're very early on in this, but it's actually like there's a lot of money, a lot of developers, a lot of games hanging in the balance. We've not really seen anything quite like this. And personally, I would like to see Apple sort of change its ways a little bit. I think it's somewhat unlikely unless a judge does step in and say you you need to create an alternative app store or something. But I, I really think Tim Sweeney's just kind of having a meltdown and he's stamping his feet and he's sort of wrecking the industry right now. Yeah, it sounds well, like plus, it. And plus you have millions of uh, mobile players just sitting there, can't get on their Fortnite, who have spent countless amounts of money on skins and coins and season passes. Exactly right. I think I think that <laughs> new next season launched today. And so today is the first day those players are left in the dust. I mean, they're, they're sitting around on... on all sorts of uh, virtual points or whatever, and they can't spend them on anything right That's now. Millions yep. of people, I'm sure. A lot of kids. <laughs> right. The other weird thing is Epic is trying to mobilize kids against uh, Apple, and I'm like, what? What benefit? Some revolution starts today. Right. They're literally acting like that. I'm like, what do you hope to gain from this? This looks super weird, and these kids cannot do anything except for complain to their parents. They're gonna make right. the parents hate you. <laughs> All all I'm picturing right now is like a suburb and all the suburban kids start coming outside and all the parents have been a bad but it's because Fortnite doesn't work anymore on their phone. Right. Parents standing in the streets (laughs) like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. Our babysitter isn't working right now. Yeah. Fortnite, which was supposed to be raising our kids during this pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. So fighting back. I I managed to get through that hopefully quickly enough because it's a mess. But that's that's Sounds where like the game industry stands right now. There have been oh, a few geez. cool games to come out and stuff like that. Everyone's jazzed about Flight Simulator and Fall Guys. I haven't Fall played Guys. Fall Guys yet, but everyone loves Fall Guys. Fall is Guys. great. The uh, the devs seem super cool on Twitter. Like I've followed a couple of their guys. Like everybody, I, you love to see it. You know, it's a super fun game. Definitely get it. So it's uh, also enraging if you like being enraged. If you if you like games <laughs> with I friends do. and rage. Then Fall Guys may be for Fall you. Guy. 
that's it's on consoles and it's on PC. It seems to be everywhere but mobile, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it's on Switch, but yeah, it's on PlayStation, Xbox, Steam. I don't know about Epic Games. So all the big boy uh, systems, basically. And and I say that as a Switch owner also. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm behind on my Switch plan. So uh, that's that's games here lately. I mean, what are you guys playing lately? I, I, at, well, you know, DC fandom kicked off, uh, had a big show on uh, Saturday. And so we talked about uh, the new Rocksteady game, the Suicide Squad kills the Justice League. And then the other one, uh, uh, Gotham Knights. Yeah. Yeah. That looks cool. And so I started playing Arkham Origins again, even though I still haven't finished Red Dead fully. I was just <laughs> thinking I was going to do that. I was yeah. like, now is the time to finish my run through. I did not finish the last Arkham game. And, uh, you know, I can start with the, the re-released, remastered, you know, whatever stuff and mm-hmm. see that and then hopefully be ready in time and move straight into this uh, new one, which looks very good so far. Yeah, I'm still uh, pumping my way through Last of Us 2. Still haven't beat yeah. the freaking thing. That's another uh, very highly acclaimed game that everyone it's seems to love. Beautiful. But uh, yeah, I, I thought I'd get to talk about Flight Simulator news, but I a lot of people are saying for whatever reason they can't they either can't download or can't install. And that's exactly where I'm at. So yeah, I've seen that a lot lately, but it's going to come to Xbox. And actually this X cloud thing does sound like it's going to be, uh, you know, Apple, notwithstanding, it sounds like it's going to be pretty good because if you are a game pass ultimate subscriber and you're paying the 15 bucks a month to have your Xbox live and your game pass and everything rolled into it, you're going to get that on your account as well. So that's the first one I think is going to be really worth it. Uh, Stadia doesn't seem to have enough to offer yet, but the Xbox one, if they keep a good library like they do for game pass, it's going to be great. Yeah. Stadia came out and then just kind of like died. (laughs) (laughs) Google does that, man. They, they will put stuff out and then they're like, yeah, this is something we have. And we keep it in a closet, and we don't talk about it. That's what Google's been doing since their existence. I mean, <laughs> not just gaming. I mean, mobile phones and uh, Google Hangouts. I mean, Google comes up with these ideas. What was the other one? Google Plus, the one that... Uh, oh, God, was, yeah. Yeah. Good uh, Lord. Google does that. So, anyway, uh, Todd, thanks for coming on. What? Uh, where can we find you? Can you go ahead and plug whatever you want to plug? Sure, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I do the Game Dev Breakdown podcast. We just had our 100th episode last week. So uh, this one tomorrow will be 101. And uh, if you are interested beyond that, I do show notes and stuff at CodeWritePlay.com. So those are the places to find me. So welcome back, guys. This, this seems awesome, and I'm looking forward to uh, following this along. Thanks for coming on, well, man. Hopefully, uh, we're going to try to get you a little segment every week if we can do that, if you're up for it. I'm into that, and uh, I streamed part of this on my Twitter account, so uh, you Twitter fans, go jump over to the uh, Facebook side and catch the rest of the show with these guys. Great. Thank you. Looks like yeah, one. It might just be that. me, but uh, if anyone's there. <laughs> <laughs> there are people watching, I think. Anyway, Todd, we'll, hopefully we'll hear from you next week. Can we, can we set you up? Yeah, let's, let's call it a thing, and uh, I'll look forward to it. All right, if you made it this far, you heard my Fandom Unlimited appearance, and now you're back to find out what is that second mysterious courtroom drama about which we are to hear. That was stupid phrasing. So here it is. I was uh, browsing Twitter and found a statement, and I love a good statement, from Frogwares. I don't know if it's Frogwares Games or if it's just Frogwares Probably just Frogwares. They are a Ukrainian game studio with offices in Dublin, Ireland, a lovely place I've been. 
They are responsible for the creation and development of the Adventures of Sherlock Holmes series. So by now, a lot of people who would potentially be into this series, you've probably tried it by now. They've It's gone out in Xbox Games with Gold. There have been a bunch of ways to play this game. They've been... Uh, these games. They've been in different bundles and stuff, and I really like them. I don't think enough people have played them or given them a chance. I think it's a really cool series. It's visually very beautiful. The gameplay is kind of cool. It's a little frustrating here and there, but it is nothing you can't get through, and I really enjoy it. So when I figured out that this was them, I was very interested in what was going on. The other party you need to know about is their publisher, historically, uh, They used to be called Big Ben Interactive, I think. More recently, they changed their name to Nacon, N-A-C-O-N. That's a a French game publisher established in 1981. Their main markets are France, Germany, Belgium, Luxembourg, and the Netherlands. So uh, here in the U.S., you don't get to hear from them as much, but you've probably played games they've been involved in. They also... A little tidbit, they also distributed like the last of the Dreamcast systems in Europe. So just kind of funny history that I I dug up, but I was very interested in what went down between these two parties. And I have to preface this by saying this all comes from a statement from Frogwares released on Twitter. They say that all the information they posted here is already public because it's been been filed in a lawsuit. So they're allowed to discuss it. I'm allowed to discuss it because they said it either way. So, I mean, once they said it, I can say it to you, and I'm saying it to you here. So this is strictly Frogware's side of this story. I'm presenting it the way they present it. I'm not endorsing it as the truth. Also, I'm not sure whose legal authority will preside over this. Uh, I'm not familiar with whoever it's going to be because I'm, I'm from the U.S. I am not a lawyer in the U.S. or anywhere else in the world. So none of this should be considered real legal anything. Expertise, opinion, advice... Uh, And in fact, I will say almost every word out of my mouth is guaranteed to be wrong. So let's dig in. Let's talk about the timeline. Frogware starts this whole like four page statement by saying that the Sinking City, which is a game of theirs, but not a Sherlock Holmes game. I think it's still a detective game, something they've been working on. It's been taken down from Steam. So their whole story here is about why the Sinking City has disappeared from Steam. They say it's because they were forced to terminate their agreement with their publisher due to breaches of that agreement. Now, I don't know, based on that phrasing, I don't know who had the direct control of the store listing, so I don't know who actually flipped that switch and took the game offline. They say they signed with Nacon, the publisher, in 2017, and the deal was that Frogwares would develop the game, Nacon would contribute financially, then they would have the right to sell, Nacon would have the right to sell the game on Xbox One, PS4, Steam, and later on Epic. So the intellectual property, according to Frogwares, would still belong to Frogwares. They say they would, uh, they say Frogwares would get paid for each production milestone they completed, and then they would get a share of the revenue as soon as the game started selling. So every time the game sells a unit, they get paid. Both get paid. Frogware says that Nacon at some point bought a competing studio. So imagine that you're working on a game and your publisher goes, we just bought your competitor. This competitor was working on a similar game. That's why they were a competitor. And apparently Nacon ordered Frogwares to turn over their source code to the other studio. 
This part's interesting. You hear about this in the game industry, but you hear about big publishers like EA or Ubisoft. Uh, they do things like this all the time, but the studios are owned outright by the publisher. Nacon, as far as I know, does not own Frogwares. Frogwares gives that impression as well. They say Nacon's just a licensee, and that Frogwares owns the intellectual property, the code, and everything else about its game. So when Frogwares said, no, we're not going to give them our source code, they say that Nacon stopped paying them for development for over four months. That's not great. Frogwares goes on to say Nacon wouldn't provide consistent figures about sales forecasts and other business plan items. To be fair, I don't know what that part of their agreement looked like, and that may be an example of the exact opposite of the last point about not turning over source code. I don't know that Nacon was obligated to turn over sales figures, and you have to be pretty confident about what a publisher is able to do with your product before you start down a path with them and, you know, forge a relationship. So at this point, I'm sort of taking with a grain of salt either way. Uh, Frogware says that once the game was released and made available in game stores, Nacon suddenly sent them a letter that said their previously approved milestones are being canceled. So the, the way they make that sound is the things they were sending over to the publisher and going, this part's done, this part's done, and Nacon is going, cool, great. As soon as the game came out, they went, you know those things we said cool and great, they're not cool or great. And so Nacon said as a result, they would not turn over any portion of the profit from sales of the game. So now the... <laughs> It sounds like the moment the game hit stores, this is according to Frogwares, Nacon said, you guys messed up, you didn't do it right, so we're going to continue selling this game and we are not turning over a dime to you guys. Frogwares says, rightly so, that this is when the legal battle began. Of course, I would, I'd be suing in a heartbeat as well as I'm sure would you, dear listener. Frogwares filed a lawsuit against Nacon in August 2019, so that's a year ago already, and only then did Nacon start providing some income reports. Although if they weren't turning over any money, I don't see why that matters. That's The problem is you're not getting paid in the first place, not that you don't know how many games have sold. Frogwares says that copyright notices on box covers and storefront pages were incorrect, creating a perception that it was not Frogwares who owns the IP. Now, I'll stop at this point and go, note in your head... All these things that Frogwares says Nacon was doing and ask yourself, if this is true, how would a publisher ever get away with this? There, there will be a potential answer at the end of this story. Frogwares says their logo was removed from some of the game covers. They say dozens of Sherlock Holmes and Sinking City domains were bought by Nacon and that a tabletop Sinking City RPG was created and given away freely with a copyright notice that Frogwares says was incorrect, and Frogwares was never made aware of any of this before it happened. Finally, Nacon went public to be listed on the stock market and suggested that they owned the Sinking City intellectual property outright, which is a big no-no, if, if it's true. Here's probably the worst part, and here's the answer to that question from a moment ago. When Frogwares finally went to Nacon and said, clearly we're terminating our contract with you due to all of these unresolved issues, Nacon said, you can't do that. Nacon said Frogwares could not terminate the agreement because of emergency laws passed in France to protect businesses during the COVID pandemic. 
So it looks, according to Frogwares, like Nacon is doing absolutely anything they want right now and attempting to use the pandemic as legal protection. That is, if that's true, that's insane. And I certainly hope they don't get away with it. Uh, I'm going to be completely fair here. It, I haven't seen any statements from Nacon about this, or I haven't seen you know any responses. I would be happy to discuss that because I find this interesting no matter what the truth is. But man, if there is even substantial truth to this story, I sure hope they don't get away with any of this. Now, I mean, contract law and business law in the United States, again, not, an, not a real expert here, but I've taken some courses and it's sort of an interest of mine. Contract and business law are about making damaged parties whole. It's not really about punitive damages. You do hear the, the phrase punitive damages thrown around. But primarily, the court system is there to go, hey, this $500,000 that is owed from this party to this party, we're hereby ordering you to turn it over. And not go, you hung on to their half a million dollars, so we're awarding them $3 million. You know, you, you, you see the difference. But, man, I sure hope Frogwares gets every dime owed to them, and I hope they're very generous about it when, when doing so, if, in fact, this turns out to be the case. So, what can we take away from this? If you're indie, or if you're part of a studio, and you are in some way connected to a decision to work out a relationship with a publisher, this is something that's been discussed quite a bit on Twitter and uh, just today for some reason the argument broke out that like once you're taking money from a publisher are you still indie? I say no. I say of course not. The, w the word is independent. That doesn't mean you're taking money from someone. If you're taking money from someone you're not independent. Can you imagine if authors, recording artists did stuff like that? They, somebody works out a deal with Simon and & Schuster and goes well I'm still an indie author. The hell you are. You know, people are out there <laughs> writing their own books, publishing their own books, going through the editing process alone, the selling process alone, hoping that a book hits it big so they get to keep all that money. That's not, it's not indie if you're turning it over to somebody who goes like, here's, here's the money I owe you and I'll go sell the book, we'll go market the book. No, no part of that is indie. I don't understand how that logic doesn't come over to the game industry. It does for me. If you're getting money, you're not indie. No offense, there's nothing wrong with that. You can you can strike up a very profitable and very happy relationship. Every every developer deserves a relationship like that. Point is, most of us don't have it. So I don't see how <laughs> I don't see how you can strike up a deal with somebody who pays your bills and you call yourself the same thing as the person who like looks at it like their wildest hope and dream and they work a day job and they struggle to feed their kids and stuff and on the side they're trying to make this game hit it big. You're not the same. You two aren't the same people. It's fine. Again, there are different ways to go about this, but as far as I'm concerned in a conversation, if you say indie, you better not be getting paid by anyone. That's not what indie is. And uh, my, my buddy Michael Silverman rightly pointed out the only true indie games have Indiana Jones in them, and that's more than fair. So, uh, but, but moving on, the important takeaways here. If you decide to get into a relationship with a publisher, that's great. Know your publisher, know their history, know what they're capable of. If they've had any recent big business changes, like a change in name, change in ownership, 
that probably takes away some stability. That's worth looking at. Again, might not be a deal breaker. Uh, Big Ben had been around forever. We're talking 40 years, nearly. I don't know why they changed their name. I don't know if that was part of an ownership change or management change, but sure sounds like they did some sketchy stuff right after. But if if a long-standing company like that can fool you, probably anybody can. But you sure need to inform yourself and try to avoid getting fooled. Number two, I'd say know the current business laws. This is a weird one because it's one thing to know general business laws and how to protect yourself, but we're in a brand new world and apparently business law itself is changing right before our eyes and that could screw you. You probably think about how the law protects you in different situations. Look for ways the law could screw you right now. That's what I would say. Look for ways your, your publisher might try to look for protection against you after they do something to you. Again, I don't know that's what happened here, but that's what it sounds like, right? If there's any justice in the world, I can't imagine Nacon getting away with this, if indeed this is what they've done. I will look for their side of the story. There's gotta be something else going on, I'd like to think. Otherwise, this is just outright exploitation, theft, and just malicious wrongdoing. We will see. Finally, minimize your own damage. If you are being screwed by your publisher and these guys knew they were getting screwed by their publisher, they already had the breached agreement, stop that train. I know it's, it's hard and it's scary because like they're supposed to be paying your bills, but if they're not, stop and get it resolved. Don't go forward. If you listen to any law podcasts or it's probably, been, it's probably come, up, come up on some like, I don't know, courtroom TV shows somewhere, but I listen to a, a radio show run by a lawyer all the time. It's a call-in show uh, out of the West Coast on talk radio. People call in, and, and it's sort of a theme. Like, every once in a while, you'll hear somebody go, I've been working for this guy for three years. He hasn't paid me correctly in even more. I've worked for this guy for 10 years, and he's got a six-year record of paying me late or paying me too little, and I need that money back. How can I get them to pay up? Well... There's a point where it's on you to prevent people from exploiting you and taking advantage of you. A court can only help so much. So, I mean, like, again, the court system is about making you whole, and there's only a certain reasonable expectation at which you can sort of hold the court to go, well, you have to go back, you know, eight, nine years and get me all this money back. Now, it shouldn't be this hard in this case. This is all fairly recent. So... I would love to see the court do the right thing and go back and go, you owe them every dollar that was missed, you owe them damages, you owe them money for every every sale, but you can't always move forward and expect things to correct themselves, and don't be afraid. I mean, once you're, once you're out a certain amount of money, don't be afraid to call an attorney and go, can I buy like one hour of your time because I have a bunch of questions? You know, it's not going to hurt to call and ask. If you're, if you're a soloist or you're on a small team, like you still have to take certain actions to protect yourself and you have to take certain actions to send a warning shot once in a while that lets the other side know, I will not be trampled on like this. You are not going to do this to me. We will shut this down right now. You will get nothing. We can go to court. It's scary. You want to avoid court. You don't want to get jammed up in the legal system, I assure you. But you also don't want to be part of a multi-year deal that goes bad where someone gets to do absolutely whatever they want to you and just they they get to run with it. So 
I will be following this one. I may write about it. I may bring it up on another podcast, but I thought since we already talked about courtroom stuff in this episode, we could just run with an all courtroom drama show. So we obviously won't do this very often, but we did it today. I would encourage you to follow these things. I mean, what happens here is certainly relevant to all of us and what we do. And uh, I'm hoping <laughs> I'm hoping this story has as happy an ending as possible. And uh, hey, let me know if you hear something before I do. So, uh, hey, before we go, we as you know, we just passed 100 episodes. Listens are down right now because school's starting up and everybody's busy and every, almost everyone's life has just changed here in the last week or so. Even the number of subscribers that we have, like, they're not even caught up with the show. If you could help me out, if you have not yet left a rating, a review, somewhere, help me out. That would be such a big deal. Won't cost you a penny. Only should take you a moment or two. I will gladly start featuring reviews on the show to thank you guys. I'm just highlighting really nice words that we hear. I've done this before. When people leave nice reviews, like, I appreciate it so much. I love to share that back with uh, listeners. But uh, if you could do that, and hey, if you've got a friend who likes this kind of stuff, feel free to let them know about it. Those are my only two requests. So uh, I've got some more interviews lined up and some more fun stuff. So coderiteplay.com for show notes. Subscribe, and I will talk to you guys later. Congratulations on your game dev breakdown, whatever that is. Sounds idiotic to me.